Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, if you'd go to 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1, we want to continue or complete a short three-part series from this first chapter of 2 Thessalonians. And as you're turning there again from Christina and I, we thank you so much for all the kind cards and generous gifts. We appreciate you and love you and we thank God for you. Next week, you don't want to miss um, Bishop Jones. He's, he's, uh, I promise you, you'll be blessed. He pastored on the south side of Chicago for many, many years. He was one of the heads of our denomination um, and the national boards. And now he retired and he goes into the urban areas to help pioneer churches in our urban places and also hold seminars and conferences to train workers for urban ministry. But you're not going to want to miss him. He, he's... He's, he's fired up and he's ready to roll and you'll, you'll be blessed. I promise you. The bishop will bless you. Amen. Second Thessalonians 1. And if you would, look at two little verses. Verses 11 and verses 12. Paul writes, With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of His calling and that by His power, He may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in Him according to the grace of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the encouragements of the saints. This is sermon number three and this is going to be prayer. We've talked about Um, promise and and praise. And this is prayer. These dear saints in the city of Thessalonica were experiencing um, persecution on the outside and problems and turmoil on the inside. So Paul writes to them to encourage the suffering and to enlighten the confused. Because of their devotion to Jesus, they were experiencing pressures and persecutions from Rome and from religion from society, from their family. They were losing their jobs and they were being physically attacked. And then on the inside, there was fear and confusion within the ranks of the saints because there had been some false letters supposedly from the Apostle Paul saying that the day of the Lord had already come, meaning they'd missed the rapture. So you can imagine the the fear and the confusion that would have brought. So in this first chapter, Paul gives these young believers three encouragements to inspire their faith and to keep them going faithfully through to the other side. The beautiful thing this morning is that three encouragements also apply to us. There are three encouragements that you and I can wrap our arms of faith around and apply to our life. That's why we love the Bible. It's not a history book of yesterday. It's a living book that speaks to us today. If you have an ear to hear, the living God will speak through that book and it will encourage your faith and guide your steps. And so again... We started two weeks ago with, number one, the encouragement of praise. The encouragement of praise. And that was verses 2 through 4, where Paul praised God. And Paul also applauded this young congregation because he saw some real spiritual progress in their lives. Even though it, it wasn't an easy time or an easy climate in which to be a Christian. Yet their faith was growing. Their love for one another was actually abounding. Their perseverance was increasing and their testimony was spreading throughout the land. And he's saying, folks, you're doing good. Keep it up. He's saying, you're doing good. Keep fighting that good fight of faith. 
Keep believing God. Keep trusting God. You've come too far to turn back now. Keep looking unto Jesus. Keep standing firm upon that Word. And the one that began the good work, He'll complete it. Can you say Amen? And then we looked at last week the the encouragement of the promise. That was verses 5-10 through where He gave them some promises. You know, the promises of God give encouragement and perspective when we're going through persecution and trials. Paul reminded them of the reward that awaits them. He said, you might be going through it now, but i got news for you. You have an eternal reward that is waiting for you, and it will be worth it all. He spoke about the promise of recompense, where he said there will, a recompense will come on the ungodly. That as a God of justice, He will repay those that are persecuted and unfairly treated you. And He spoke about that day. And then lastly, He speaks about that rest. He says, you might be going through it now, but there will be an eternal and perfect triumphant rest. For the true child of God, it won't always be like this. And we talk to those that might be going through a trial. Maybe you're going through a a battle in your body. Maybe there's friction and there's an attack in your home. But you keep the faith and you keep trusting the Lord. Don't turn back now and don't give up now. You've come too far to turn back now. But know that you know it won't always be like this. This is just a season. The sunlight is getting ready to break out on your horizon. God is good and God is faithful and He loves you even when you're going through it. So keep trusting Him and looking to Him and He'll bring you through to the other side. See, these young believers were under pressure. They were facing discouragement and confusion. But Paul lets them know and He lets us know that no matter how difficult their present circumstances may be, these believers have a secure and glorious future and so do you. If you belong to Jesus, child of God, you got to know the best is yet to come. And now this morning we look at number three, the encouragement of prayer. The encouragement of prayer. Not only was he praising them for the good things he saw, encouraging them to keep going. Not only was he reminding them of promises that they could count on and stand on. Promises that God Almighty himself has spoken and God cannot lie. He also said, I want to encourage you by letting you know I'm praying for you. And Jesus is praying for you. And other saints around the globe are praying for you. You're not in this battle alone. You might feel weary, but then God will touch the heart of a brother and sister to lift you up. You wonder why sometimes you're ready to break down and all of a sudden you feel like the wind just blew through your bedroom because someone touched God for you. Paul begins, the Apostle Paul prayed for his converts. In fact, it says here, we constantly pray for you. That's a beautiful thought. We constantly pray for you. And it's important that we do so also. That leaders, you pray for those that you minister to. Pray for those you minister with. As brothers and sisters, don't just get so caught up in your own problems. That's one way you stay depressed. That's one way you stay defeated. But pray for someone on your right. Pray for someone on your left. Throughout the week when you're doing your devotion, think about the person that sits around you. Lord, bless them today. Lord, help them this day. Paul prayed for his converts. He writes with this in mind, and he's speaking about all that he had previously said in this chapter. How Christ is returning. How the saints are going to rejoice with Him and be glorified in Him. How the wicked will be judged. Paul prays and prayer flows out of the thanksgiving for them, but also the thoughts of the wonderful things that await them. 
What a glorious future we have as sons and daughters of God. Yet, we still have a task to do. And that's where Paul begins to shift here. The future prospect of glory motivated the Apostle Paul to pray for the saints. To pray that they would continue on. That they wouldn't just hold on, but they'd continue on in faith and in good works and in faithful living. Not getting careless or casual in their Christian experience. Not slowing down or shrinking back, but let us continue to faithfully serve Jesus. Let us continue to do His works and to carry out His call. We live in such an important time in human history. And those of us that know the Lord, it's so important that we find our place and we serve faithfully and sincerely that God might flow through us and God might speak through us and God might use us in the measure He desires to use us because we know that Jesus is coming. It shouldn't cool us down, but man, it should fire us up. We must never neglect our present responsibility because of a future hope. In fact, on the contrary, the future hope that we have should encourage us to be more diligent and more faithful as we see that day approaching. Because we know He's returning, that ought to motivate us to live right. It ought to motivate us to serve faithfully. It ought to motivate us to touch our world and do all that we can. Because the time is short. What I know must affect how I live. And Paul prays, number one, that their lives, that they would live lives worthy of the one that called them. With this in mind, verse 11, we constantly pray for you. Number one, that our God may count you worthy of His calling. Oh, thank God that He called us. Can you say amen? He didn't have to. He didn't need me, but He chose me. It's a wonderful thing to be a Christian, to know that God could have flown over us. God could have ignored us. God could have kept us in our in our place. But instead, He saw us and His heart of love and compassion reached out to us. He chose us when we weren't worthy to be chosen. But He said, I love thee and I desire thee and I'm calling you to walk with me, to be my son, to enjoy my salvation. He called us. And Paul says, I want you to live worthy of that calling. Living up. He's praying, oh, that the people of God. This is heaven's prayer for us. If Paul was our pastor, he'd be praying this prayer. If the Holy Ghost were to give us a prayer, this is a prayer. He says, pray for the church. Pray that they would walk worthy of the marvelous privilege and the holy calling they have as sons and daughters of God. You know, it's a privilege to be saved. Can you say amen? God doesn't need us. Oh, it's God's mercy and grace that chose us. And we that carry the name Christian, we represent Jesus. And friend, that ought to mean something to us. If you're truly saved this morning, it ought to excite you. On one hand, it humbles you. On the other hand, it greatly honors you. But it ought to move you to think that God Almighty would send His Son to die for us. He knows every sin. He knows every wicked thing we've done. But He said, I'll look beyond your faults and I'll see your needs and I'll send My Son to die in your place that you might be forgiven and you might be made right with Me. That you might walk with Me and you might walk in My grace and in My power and enjoy the blessings that I have bestowed upon those that I have called. 
world. It's a wonderful thing to be a Christian because salvation is of the Lord. I didn't choose Him till after He chose me. He chose me. If you're here today and you're saved, it's because God chose you and God elected you and God said, I want you and I desire you and I'm willing to pay a great price for thee. Oh, what a salvation we have. This is the prayer he's praying. Oh, that they'd understand what a great salvation they have. What a high and holy privilege it is to be saved. That they wouldn't be complacent towards it or think of it as a small thing. That they'd recognize how holy and awesome, how humbling it is to know that we belong to Jesus. So he's praying that these believers would live worthy of the calling. Earlier in this chapter, Paul writes that they would be counted worthy on that day, but here he's emphasizing the present situation that they live it out, that they practice it. God is calling us. God has called us, and it was a calling of grace. By grace we're saved. God has called us, and it was a calling of love, for God so loved the world. And he calls us to enjoy this great salvation. He calls us to a marvelous position as sons and daughters of the living God. Oh, hallelujah. Paul's prayer is that we would live up to that calling. He prays that the church might behave in a way that's consistent with their identity as Christians. You see, friend, God desires a quality effort and devotion from those that He shed His blood for. From those that call themselves His. He expects a certain measure of devotion in return and Let's look at this. 1 Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12. Let's look at a couple of verses. I want you to see the Father's heart. Because sometimes we get confused about Christianity. And though God loves us and is full of grace, but we fail to recognize how supernatural, how marvelous, how wonderful, how beyond words can describe how great this salvation is and how privileged we are, how blessed we are that God would save us because He didn't have to save us. No one had anything on God. Amen? It's all by grace. If you're here today and you're sane, you ought to thank the Lord. If you're here today and you haven't gone somewhere, you ought to thank the Lord. If you're here today and you really know you're saved, you ought to just stop and say, Jesus, Jesus, thank you for all that you've done in my life. Lord, I could have turned down that road. I could have married that person. I could have, oh, but Lord, you've been so good. You've been a shepherd. You've been a king. You've been, oh, Jesus. This is the Father's heart that we as Christians should recognize that it is an honor to be Christians. And we should live in a way that honors the one who died for us. Look at what Paul writes. 1 Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12. 1 Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his children. This is the heart of our Heavenly Father flowing through the heart of His earthly ministers and pastors and teachers. The heart of the Spirit of God through us is that God's people would walk worthy. We, 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 our heart is, and we, we pour it out, and this is how we pour it out in verse 12. We deal with you as we would deal with our own children. We encourage you. 
We comfort you, but we also urge you to live lives worthy of God who's called us into His kingdom and glory. We encourage you. Keep it up. If you fall down, get back up. Dust yourself off and get back in there. God's a God of a second chance and a third chance. Just don't give up and Jesus will bring you through. We, we comfort you when you're hurting. We say, that's all right. The Lord is a healer. The Lord is a comforter. I know that's a hard thing to go through. You can weep in Jesus and give you a shoulder to weep on. There's a comforting power in God. But after we encourage and we comfort, we have to urge you because it's of greatest importance that you don't take your Christianity casually or lightly, but you take it seriously and reverently. And we urge you, live worthy of it. Live worthy. Give God your best effort. Serve the Lord with all your might and all your strength. Don't be ashamed of the Gospel. He wasn't ashamed of us to die on that cross. Let's not be ashamed of Him to tell others how good and lovely Jesus is. Can you say amen? Amen. He says, I'm urging you, live lives worthy of God. Again, we got this confused. You know we got this confused. I'll get that at the end of my point. We got this, we got Christianity confused. We take it for granted. As if we were worthy. We ought to be so thankful what God did for us. We ought to be signing up for every west to serve. We ought to be here every time the doors open. There ought to be such a passion in our hearts just to say thank you, Jesus. Just to say thank you, Jesus. Oh, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord. Let's look at um, Ephesians 4 and 1. Ephesians 4 and 1. Paul writes, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. It's a calling that says, come out of darkness into God's light. It's a calling that says, come out of sin and have salvation. It's a calling that says, come out of hopelessness and find the hope that only God can give. It's a calling that calls us out of. It's a calling that calls us unto. It's a calling that makes us sons and daughters of God. It's a calling that fills us with God's own Spirit. Washes us in God's precious blood. It's a calling that promises us a blessed life and purpose. And, and, and again, a great calling. He says, live worthy of that. If you understand how wonderful, how grand, how glorious it is, what God has done and what God has given us, our response, I'm going to live worthy of that. I'm going to live worthy. Now, this, this word worthy, interesting word. Obviously, worthy means to, to have worth or to have value. But more than that, it means to have worth equal to one's position. Example, a worthy opponent is one whose gifts equal one's own. Or a workman worthy of his hire is one whose service merits the wages he receives. So this word worthy, it, it describes a scale in which the weight on one side should equal the weight on the other. It's about to measure up. In our case, as the Scripture is speaking to us, the weight of our practice, how I live, should equal the weight of my position, what I profess, and who I am in Christ. And this is not... Paul's prayer just for them. This is the Spirit's prayer for us. That we would live up to our calling with lives that are marked by goodness and powerful works of faith. Worthy lives. And we pray, Lord, help us to act in line with our privilege and our position in Jesus Christ. 
whether it's in times of testing like these, this church was going through, or in times of great blessing, Lord, help me to walk worthy. If I'm going through a dark night, if I'm going through pressure, Lord, help me to live worthy regardless of the temptation to compromise. If I'm on the mountaintop and things are good, help me, Lord, not to forget You, but to honor You and stay humbled by it and glorify You in it, Lord, and to walk worthy whether I'm going through the trial or whether I'm enjoying great triumph. Help me, Lord, to walk worthy of the calling, to act in a way that is proper for those that call themselves Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You see, it's only reasonable that those that would enjoy this great salvation would walk and live in such a way as considered worthy walk. Some get confused with that. They somehow think Christianity is merely saying a prayer or agreeing with something and then just living subpar. But true Christianity is a Christianity that falls in love with Jesus. That gives one life wholeheartedly to serve the Lord Jesus. And to wholeheartedly and consistently serve Him and honor Him and love Him. Again, some people are confused. It's like the man that was driving down the freeway on his way home from work and his wife called him on the cell and, and when he answered, she was a little frantic and she says urgently, George, George, listen, pay attention. I just watched the news and um, there's a car going home the wrong way on 280 and I know that's how you come home and be careful. And he said, man, oh, honey, honey. I'm there now. I've been driving down that road. and It's worse than what you thought. You wouldn't believe it. It's not just one car. It's hundreds of them. <laughs> hundreds of them. You know, George is about a mile away from a silver alert there. Amen. <laughs> he, get, he get ready. He get ready that silver alert. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. He looked confused, wasn't he? I think some people are confused when they never had a proper definition of what a Christian is. Being a Christian is not just saying a little prayer that someone told you to say. Being a Christian is giving your entire life to the Lord Jesus and serving Him. And as you serve Him, trust me, you get the better end of that deal every moment, every day, from here to eternity. That's where you get the blessings of God and the grace of God and you walk with God. Hallelujah. Paul's prayer is that the people would, would not be casual or complacent concerning their Christianity, they truly understand the great privilege that they have, the honor that's been bestowed upon us mere mortals, fallen sinful beings, by God's love and God's mercy. And how much we have because Jesus went to the cross and shed His blood. That whosoever will, no matter what you've done, no matter how many times you've tried or failed, you can be forgiven and you can be restored and you can be redeemed. And you can walk in the beautiful power and privilege of a son and daughter of God. And when we recognize that, the proper response, Lord, I want to walk worthy of that. I want to carry that name properly. You know, in my home, I had to be very careful how you live, small town, because you carried that name. Amen? Because you mess up. Everyone knows that name. You better walk. You carry that name. Remember who you represent, son. Remember what you, how you carry that name. And as Christians, the Holy Spirit says, remember who you represent. Remember the name that you put on. Number one, let us live lives worthy. That's heaven's prayer. Number two, Paul prays that they would live not only worthy lives, but but fruitful lives. He says, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you that number one, our God may count you worthy of His calling, and that by His power, He may fulfill every good purpose of yours 
and every act prompted by your faith. What an interesting thought. You know, my friend, God wants to work through your life. This is a beautiful thought here. God wants to use you to touch your world. Don't ever underestimate what God can do through you. Don't ever underestimate what God wants to do through you. And He'll use you if you let Him. And if you give yourself to Him to faithfully serve Him and, and, and attempt to be faithful in your devotion, He'll use your life and He'll touch through your life and He'll flow through your life. The encouragement of the saints, Paul is praying, Oh God, that they'll walk worthy, but that they'll also be fruitful. That they'll recognize that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in them. And they've been called to do the works of the Lord, to be His instruments in the earth, that they'd have a daring boldness to attempt wonderful things, to, to live this life and to be His tools. You were created by God and for God. That's what the Bible says. You were created by God. And you were created for God. And when you were saved, He didn't save you merely just to rescue you from a hell, but He saved you that He might use you as His treasured instrument and vessel, that you would be His workmanship, and you would be the one that He works through and He flows through in life. You are saved and saved unto a place and position of purpose and power and a plan created in His image. Created to do His works. And God desires, God desires to bless the works of your hands. God desires to bless the words of your mouth. God wants to use you as a vessel of honor. He wants to use you as an instrument in His hand. He wants to use you in your family, use you on the job, use you in your school. He wants to use you to speak through, to touch through. Paul's not writing this to a preacher's convention. Paul is not talking about some kind of um, uh, outlandish power or human ability. But he's talking about the power of God that enables us, the people of God, to fulfill good works, to carry out the acts of faith that God wants to see in the earth. And Paul's prayer is that they may be empowered by God to do what they were created by God to do. That their lives might be marked by goodness and powerful works of faith. You see, I think sometimes, again, people get confused once they're saved. Some people get confused before they're saved and they somehow think getting saved is merely just saying yes to Jesus and then just kind of living it out in your own strength and grinding it out. But the Bible says, no, 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 no. When you come to Jesus, you call on Him. He fills you with His only Holy Spirit. He comes and lives within you and He'll live through you. And He gives you the power and the strength to live. And then some people get saved, but then they get a little timid when it comes to services. If how could God use me? I don't have what it takes. No, 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 no. If you got Jesus, you got what it takes. Amen. He, he's, he's just looking for availability. He'll supply the ability. Can you say amen? And, and God is um, wanting us to recognize that it wasn't just His grace that saved you, but it's His grace that will live with you as you serve Him, giving you the power you need to carry on His works, to do His works in the earth. Look at John 15 and verses 8 and then verse 16. John 15, verses 8. This is to my Father's glory. This is Jesus. He said, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourself to be my disciples. If I'm a follower of Christ, I ought to be fruitful because I ought to be doing the works of Christ. I'm representing Christ. And He's, he's given me the power to do so. It's not on my own strength. It's not my own ability. But the same Spirit that raised Him dwells in me. 
and enables me to live it. That's why the Apostle Paul was able to say, it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ lives in me. I couldn't live this life on my own. It would be hard. It would be too demanding. But He gives me a new spirit. He gives me a new heart. He makes me a new creature. And with that, I have the ability to live this life and to serve my King and to carry up the works He wants done in the earth. This is to our Father's glory that we bear fruit. God wants us to be busy doing His works in the earth, bearing fruit that glorify Him and please Him and honor Him. We're looking at that next verse. And Jesus said it like this, You didn't choose Me, but I chose you. I want you to know if you hear My voice, God is choosing you. If you hear the sound of My voice, God is calling you. It's not because of anything you've done. It's all by grace. It's because He loves you and desires to forgive you and save you and make you His very own. Jesus said, You didn't choose Me. He said, I chose you. I knew you before you were. And I called you, be Mine. I called you, come to Me. I called you, come. I know in yourself you're not worthy. But if you'll come to Calvary, you can be cleansed and you can be transformed. And then you can walk with Me. And you can declare My Word. And you can do My works. I says, You didn't choose me. I chose you. But now once I chose you, I didn't just chose you to forgive you and then you just kind of live life until you go to heaven someday. No, no, no. I chose you that while you're living on this earth, you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will remain. That you might live a life. God wants you to be a blessing to your family. He wants you to be a blessed father. He wants you to be a blessed mother. He wants you to be a blessed student or co-worker. God wants to bless your life that wherever you are, the blessing of God, the smile of heaven will be upon your life because you are the Lord. You are His ambassador. You are His representative. He says, I didn't just choose you to take you home one day. I chose you that while you're here, I can use you and flow through you. Glory be to His name forevermore. I'm chosen. You're chosen and appointed to bear fruit. To do the works of God. Paul prays that with power. God may fulfill for the Thessalonians every desire of goodness and every work of faith. Every desire of goodness. That means every desire which goodness prompts. Every righteous, noble desire of the heart. May it be completed. May it be accomplished. The Bible says in Acts 10 and 38 how Jesus anointed of the Spirit, went about doing good, healing those that were oppressed of the devil. Jesus went about doing good. And then He tells us that those of us, one way that we shine our light and we glorify our Father is as we do good works. He says, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. So just like Jesus went about doing good, you and I that are followers of Jesus, we go about doing good. We don't have to take a special course. You don't got to go to college for this. You just love Jesus and serve Jesus. When you go to Walmart, 
you shine the light. When you're on the job, you shine the light. When you're in the home, you shine the light. And you do the things that God would do. And you speak the words that God would speak. Oh, what a beautiful thought Jesus said, John 14 and 12. He says, those that believe in Me, the works that I do, you shall do also. We are called upon not merely to receive forgiveness and go to heaven one day. We are called upon in this present hour to be God's representative, to be God's holy instrument, to be God's channel that He can flow through and touch through. Oh Lord, use us. Oh God, speak through us. Oh God, let our lives touch our world for Jesus Christ. Every desire of goodness and then every act, every work or every act of faith. Every work that faith undertakes. What a thought here. God wants every act prompted by your faith. Faith prompts something. Faith moves us. Faith is not a passive thing. Faith is not a philosophy. You know when someone really gets it, this faith has a demonstration to it. Faith has an expression to it. Because faith without is... And what do you do when it's dead? Don't bury it. Resurrect that thing. Amen. Resurrect it. And so I'm, like, I'm not working. Well, start working now. Get involved now. Sign up. We need the nursery. We need the Sunday school. Get going. Get working for Jesus. Can you say amen? No, it's time to get with it. Don't, don't live this life and stand before the Lord having done nothing. Get involved. It's exciting to serve the Lord. It's exciting to get God use your life. Oh, my Lord. People looking for purpose all the time. They're going to this relationship. They go to that relationship. I need purpose. I need purpose. You're never going to find purpose until your true north is God Almighty. You're never going to find purpose until you and your creator get things where they ought to be because you were made by God and for God. And until you live for God, you're going to be like a fish that never swam, a bird that never flew. The thing you were created to do, you won't do. And that says unfulfilled, unsatisfied. Come on, say amen. amen. Glory to God. Every work of faith. Your faith. Paul's praying, oh God, that they won't be just a sluggish people. But they'll be a people doing the works of God. There'll be a people that go through this life believing the promise. Stepping out and obeying the command. Your faith. Throughout the Bible, we see where Lord Jesus honored people's faith. One woman who pressed through a crowd, she was dying of a hemorrhage that she had for years and the doctors couldn't help her. But she made up her mind. She says, I hear about this Jesus. And I believe if I can just touch Jesus, what no one else could do, when everyone else shook their head, if I can just touch this Jesus, I believe He can do what no one else can do. And she gave her best and she pressed through the crowd and she went alone and she was drained and she was exhausted. But she gave her all. But the Bible says she touched the hem of His garment and instantly the hemorrhaging stopped and Jesus said, Dear, your faith, your faith had made you whole. And I want you to know your faith can take you through the crowds and the hindrances that would try to keep you from God's blessing. Your faith can bring you to a place of God where you receive a touch that you can't get through a man, you can't get through a, a natural way. There is a place faith takes us where we can receive from God in a way that we can't receive anywhere else. Jesus said, your faith, I think of Bartimaeus, that blind man. But when he heard someone say, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by and 
And he begins to cry out, Lord, Lord, here, over here, over here. And they tried to say, hush. But he says, you hush. I'm the blind man. I need a miracle. And he cried out. And the Bible says Jesus stopped. And he said, what is it according to your faith? And your faith can stop the Lord. Your faith can bring God into your situation. Your faith as it reaches out to heaven. Your faith. And remember, faith is only as good as its object. The object needs to be God and His Word. I don't have a faith in the things of this world. I don't have faith in the counsel of man. But there is a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you'll call on Him, if you'll get serious or draw near to Jesus Christ and reach out to Him saying, Lord, I need You. Lord, I need You. Only You can satisfy. Jesus will stop and Jesus will draw near and Jesus will do for you what no one else can ever do. There's many times in the Bible Jesus said, not my love, not my power, but Your faith is bringing heaven's touch into your life. There was one mother that came from a far off land. She was a foreigner, but she had a daughter that was deathly ill, demon possessed. No one could help her. She approached Jesus. The, the deacons, I mean the disciples, they tried to push her aside. They tried to say, don't bother the master. But you know when a mother has a daughter that's ill, they're nothing going to stop her. I mean when a mother gets on the trail. Oh, devil, you're not going to stop her. Deacons, you're not going to hinder to her. She pressed on. She pleaded. She praised Him. He tried to knock her off the path. She said, uh-uh-uh. I'll worship You. I'll praise You. And if all I get is a crumb from You, Jesus, a crumb from You is worth more than the idols back home. My daughter needs a touch. My daughter needs help. And Jesus looked back. He shook His head. He says, woman, you got faith that Peter and John don't even have. I haven't seen just faith like this. Whatever you want, you can have it. I want I want you to know, if you'll act with your faith, you can see Jesus work in your home. You can see Jesus work in places that are on the other side of the earth. But still honor faith. The action of our faith. The moving of our faith. Paul says, I pray that these people would not just be a religious, going through a ritual, up and down, this and that. But oh, they'd be a people of faith. They'd be a people that attempt great things for God and expect glorious things from God. We can go on and on. There was four friends that carried a paralyzed man to Jesus. They said if we can get him to Jesus, he can do anything. But they got there. Have you ever tried your very best to do something good and it seemed like everything worked against you? I mean, come on, say amen. Have you ever tried? And some of you went home. You gave up. That's why you gave up. Don't give up. Get back and get back in that race. Hallelujah. They carried him. They carried him. They did their best to carry him. And they get there. And, and, you know, you think church people be nice and make a way for the cripple man. Uh-uh, forget it. Amen. You're never going in those big meetings. They'll bop you on the head. You get too close to their seat. That's a crazy thing. They ain't never gone to a big meeting. You see that? You take the seat. They say they might take you out. I don't know. And then they're going to go get, get, try to get healed. Ah, it's a crazy world. Oh, they got there. Said, my Lord, we can't get in. Usher won't let us in. Even the window, it can't crawl through. How about the roof? Faith always finds a way. 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 Faith says, I know if we can get into Jesus, everything's going to be all right. So whatever gets between me and Jesus, it's got to, I'm going to go through it, around it, but it cannot stop. They tore through the roof. Remember that? They lay that man down. Woo! Jesus said. Roof tearing faith, man. That's the action of faith right there. Isn't that right? 
Oh, tear through the roof of that doubt. Tear through that roof of that... Un- tear through the roof of that past failure. You failed. Join the rest of us. We've all failed. Get back up and keep serving Him and loving Him. And believe, but by the hurt... Oh, come on, shout Him That's right. That's right. That's right. Tear off the roof of that past failure. That past, Don't let that past experience cripple you forever. Faith believes that book. The book says his mercies are new every morning. Because I typically need them every morning. Faith gets up. Says if I confess it, he'll forgive it. And he'll give me another chance. I've done enough confessing in my day. But he always gives me another chance. I'm getting back in here. I'm going to tear through that roof of past failures. Tear through that roof of present circumstances. Tear through that roof of other people naysayers. Why are you wasting your time? Hush up. I got a need that only Jesus can meet. Paul's praise that these people would be moved. Their faith would move them. Our faith is not something we debate about and talk about. It's not something we, oh, isn't it beautiful? You want to see my faith? Can I see your faith? Faith is something we use to serve God. And to believe God. And to do the works of God. And to possess the promises of God. And Paul is praying that, oh God, that, that their faith will produce goodness and mighty works. That they'll move with their faith. They'll act as they're prompted by faith. That their lives will be marked by goodness and powerful works of faith. Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. I ran across a, a German proverb, a little proverb. Begin to weave and God will provide the thread. Begin to get with it. Stop waiting for God to do everything. Faith feels a prompting. Faith goes. Faith reads a promise. Faith goes. Faith just gets an idea. Faith goes. God says, by my power, if you'll act in faith, I'll release my power. If you'll act in obedience, I'll release my power. Isn't that how we got saved? I was a mess when I got saved. You were a mess when you got saved, right? And we didn't have the power to change ourselves, but we had the ability to say yes to the gospel. We had our ability to say yes to the word, and we said yes, the power kicked in. When we used the faith we had to believe, the power kicked in. I want you to know you got the power to walk and to live, Amen. to triumph, and to do mighty things for God. But God demands your obedience. God demands your effort. Acts 1 and 8, Acts 1 and 8, Jesus said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes on you. Now, if you're here today and you have been a recipient of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, then on the authority of God's Word, you can put your name in there and you can declare, but I have received power since the Holy Spirit has come upon me. And you can face life not being timid. You can face life not being unsure. Not being, you can face life with confidence. I've received power. Power to do what? I can live this life. I can overcome this trial. I can endure through this storm. No longer I that live, but Jesus lives within me now. And He has given me the power. I can do all things through Christ that gives me. And it's the power that you possess by the Spirit of God, but that power flows as you obey the call of God. 
as you believe and step out on the Word of God. God has the power and He desires to work through you and I to be fruitful and do good works and to touch our world. He wants our obedience. He needs our response. But don't, don't doubt it. He will supply the power. He's not asking for you and I to supply the power and the wisdom. He'll give the wisdom. He'll give the grace. What's He want out of you and I? Obedience. Submission. Yieldedness. Hallelujah. Ephesians 3 and 20. Ephesians 3 and 20. I'm closing down, but I'm feeling good. Amen. Now to Him, to Him who is able. How many know God is able? I want someone to know right now God is able. I want you to know God is able. I don't know what you're going through, but God is able. I don't know what's keeping you awake at night, but God is able to set you free. God is able to turn your life around. I don't know what you're facing, and I'm a weak human being, and we're weak human beings, and we serve a God that is great and awesome. We serve a God that loves you with an everlasting love, and He is able and willing to touch your life and change your life. He'll heal your hurt. He'll break that chain. He'll Take that thing off your mind and put a fresh grace within your heart. He'll give you a new day. He'll give you a new beginning. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more. He's the God of much, much more. More than all we ask or even imagine. But but, but, how's this going to work? According. Now it's His power. So don't get discouraged thinking, I don't have the power. Neither do I. It's His power. But, where is His power? I have received power. You have received power. Power that is at work within us. Woo! And that power is released as we obey Him, as we believe Him, as we step out and attempt great things for Him. To Him who is able. Isn't that wonderful? In God good. Yes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Paul, the final encouragement, he says, I'm praying for you. You come to this church, you know people are praying for you. Yes. We got prayer lines, we got Tuesday prayer meetings, we got people that pray, 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 pray. Mm-hmm. Why do we pray? Because we're needy people and we're not, and we're not ashamed to say so. We need the Lord. Amen. And so we're going to pray one for another and believe God. And our God answers prayer. And we're going to pray. And so Paul's praying for them. Paul's, I'm praying, number one, I want you to live a worthy. God wants all of us to live worthy. Don't take for granted the great salvation we have. We ought to appreciate what Jesus did for us. Amen? I don't deserve it, man. I, I deserve judgment and, you know, then some. But God is merciful, full of compassion. I appreciate that. Amen? I'm humbled. I'm honored that God would. I don't know about you. Maybe you're all angels. I'm so thankful that God was full of mercy. I'm just telling you. I'm so thankful that He kept me when I could have. Oh, man. So Paul says, I want you to understand what a wonderful salvation you have and respond to it as you ought. Live properly for Jesus. Amen? But then secondly, remember, while you're here, we're saved and we know we're saved. But while we're here, we've got a job to do. He wants us to go out doing good works like He did. Using our faith to see mighty acts of His power like He did. It's in your family. It's on your work job. In your, wherever God takes you. Be ready for God to use you. God will use me. God will use you. Why? God uses It's God. Amen. We're just a vessel. Live fruitful lives. And lastly, he ends verse 12 and he just says, I pray that we would live Christ-glorifying lives. 
the ultimate aim of heaven. Because you read in verse 12 that Christ would be glorified in us and us in Him. And then help us, Lord, to live lives that glorify You in the good times and in the bad. Help my life honor the Lord. Again, I spoke through someone the other day and going through a trial. And I said, well, what I try to teach the people is whenever we go through something, we pray two simple things. Lord, help me to grow from this and help me to glorify You in this. Well, what I'm going through, it might not be something that God ordained. It might be just hell attacking me, but whatever I go through. Lord, these two things, Lord, help me to grow in this. I don't want to waste it, amen? I want to get stronger. I want to get pure. But Lord, help me to glorify you in this. That even when I'm going through, others will see, you know what? That person's different. That there must be something the way they go through it. Amen? Hallelujah. That we might glorify them. I'm going to pray. And then we'll go open the altar. If you're here today and if you just know that you know that you're not living worthy and you've been slacking off, well, God knows. No one wants to make fun of anyone, but I want to give you an opportunity to make a fresh commitment and make a fresh all. Say, Lord, preacher said you're a God of second, third chances. I could use one. And I'm going to start giving you my best and I'm going to start giving you the effort that you deserve. And if you're not living worthy, then before you leave, come and, come and pray. Say, Lord, I make a fresh commitment to you. And if i got to change things, I'll change things. Lord, fill me. Amen? And if you're here today and somehow the devil's been lying to you, saying, what do you have to offer? And right now on you, rebuke him. And say, I'm a child of God. i got a lot to offer. If Jesus lives in me, i got a lot to offer. And, and, get, and start serving the Lord wherever, wherever you think is right. Serve the Lord. Get busy. Believe in God. Let God, you, God, will, God will blow your mind. God will use you in ways that will surprise you. God will, I mean, God is so good. Amen? If we just give Him. We just give him. And lastly, Lord, that we glorify You. So if you need prayer, after I pray the final prayer, let's do this. Let's worship the Lord. And let's just thank Him for Him being so good to us. Amen? Let's just give Him glory. Let's just give Him glory. Let's just give Him glory. Let's live worthy. And let's use our faith. Are you using your faith? Are you attempting something for the Lord? Let's do that. Stand with me, please. Let's, let's pray our prayer. Father, we love You so much. We love You, Lord. Lord, we love You and we want to tell You so this morning. Lord Jesus, we love You. We are so grateful for how good You've been to us. We want to praise You for it, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, receive our praise. We love you, and we are so thankful for all that you've done for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your blood. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your strength. Help us, Lord, to represent you faithfully and worthily at all times. And now, Father, I pray right now, as people respond, touch your people with your power. Someone here today and they're hurting in their heart. Lord, pour your holy oil on that heart. Comfort that heart. Minister grace to that heart. People, it feels raw, but oh Lord, if you'll touch them, you can take away the rawness. You can speak peace to a troubled heart. You can speak rest to a battling mind. Father, in the name of Jesus, as your people respond, touch many with your power. 
Fill many with the refreshing of the Spirit. If anyone's thirsty or they're hungry today, Lord, fill them. And Father, be blessed by our praise. We love You. We adore You. We glorify You. Receive our praise and release Your power. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, let's worship the Lord. If you need prayer for anything, come and receive it. If you need to pray, don't leave before you touch God.